Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Early Edge NFL Week 18 Mega Preview presented by BetMGM. I'm Larry Hartstein. I am joined by RJ White. Only RJ today. Emery off on assignment. Uh, RJ has twice cashed in the world's most prestigious handicapping competition, the Super Contest this year. Uh, he's holding at 49, 35, and 1 in circa million. Probably not going to be enough to cash, though, right, RJ? No, um, not going to be enough to cash. I think I'm three and a half points out. So even if I go five, you know, five and oh, there's not going to be enough people that come back to the pack to, to cash. So disappointing. I had myself in great position to cash four or five weeks ago. And then just a string of two and threes, two and a half, you know, two, two and ones, three and twos. And, and just was not able to get there. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. And I'm, I'm in, the same, in the same boat with you, looking like a chance to bubble uh, in that contest. But I should note, if you are checking out RJ's article every Friday on Sportsline, those picks 49-35 and one, very profitable. My best bets piece, which also comes out Thursday or Friday, 33-17 and one. So let's get right to it. We have two Saturday games, starting with the Steelers against the Ravens. The Ravens locked into the number one seed. Clearly the best team in football. Actually, before we get to this game, RJ, what do you make the Ravens and 49ers in a potential Super Bowl, Super Bowl rematch? Right now I make them pick them. I think the 49ers were clearly the best team in football for the longest time, and it feels like the Ravens are that team at this point. Um, so I think at, at, you know he, it's hard to say which one you would make which. I know the Ravens dominated them in that matchup. So I would make it pick them. I would assume that the Ravens would be favored if it got to the Super Bowl there. Um, and if that's the case, I, I would want to back San Francisco catching points. Yeah, I saw an odds maker put out San Fran minus two. That was following uh, the the you know the uh, debacle that the Niners had at home, but it was before Baltimore put up fifty six points on Miami. They clearly look like the best team in football right now. Are they going to rest everyone for this game? In 2019, they were the number one seed. They rested everyone. They came out flat against the Titans. John Harbaugh's been talking about that this week. Does that play into your handicap on this game? Obviously, the Steelers have to win. Mason Rudolph, 567 yards and two touchdowns, no picks. He looks great. How do you factor in the John Harbaugh and the resting starters? 
Yeah, I know it was disappointing the when they did it the last time and they came out flat against the Titans, like you said. I think they went down 14 nothing in that game, never really competed. Even though they put up a lot of stats, they put up nearly 500 yards of stats in that game, just 12 points. And you can you can blame the rust if you want. Um, and you know John Harbaugh. I mean, he thinks about everything. He's the guy that will come out and do some crazy stuff on fourth down with a two-point lead and, and you know run around in the back of the thing. Just You never know what to expect from him. He's thinking about everything. And so I know that's probably weighing on him. How much do you want to play everybody? Do you want to play anybody at all? I think they rest Lamar. Um, I think that it's hard to rest a ton of other people, except for the people that are banged up. And we saw the team that went out uh, with a few guys banged up in the secondary last week and really do a good job shutting down Miami's passing game. So I think that these cornerbacks can, can handle the Steelers uh, receivers a little bit here. You can only rest so many people. You can give some guys a little bit of a break and manage the snaps, but I do expect a good game from the Baltimore defense here, which is playing into the reason I have Baltimore plus three and a half as a best bet. We know Tyler Huntley can play football. He's not going to come out and, and light up the scoreboard. We don't think, although we don't know what Todd Munkin running the offense, but he did not, you know, make a fool of himself in, in limited duty at the end of last year. And I'm confident that he can come in against the defense that hasn't been playing that well in the Steelers and, and have some success here. At full strength, I would make this line Baltimore minus 11 and a half. They're just so far clear of the, steel, of the Steelers, and they have home field advantage here, um, that I have them nine points better than an average team. And I'm not really sure the Steelers qualify even as an average team. They're right there around a little bit below average for me. So when you take that into account, you swing the line 15 points in this case at three and a half. I just think that's too much to account for, for resting the quarterback, who's probably worth around eight points for me. And then the rest of the guys getting a little bit of rest here and there, but it's not going to be too drastically different. So I think the Ravens should be favored in this game. I think it's kind of a gift we're getting the hook at plus three and a half. So that's why I have Baltimore as a best bet. I like that look, RJ, and I believe it was Adam Chernoff, uh, one of the great ones in this field, who pointed out that the preseason John Harbaugh uh, does pretty well. So even when you're not playing your starters, they take it very seriously. And also, you don't want to sit everyone for three full weeks. That is a long time. It's different if you have to play next week, but now you have next week off. uh, So I agree with you. I think we'll see some Ravens players, and I could only look at taking the points because Tyler Huntley was very, very capable. Uh, He's not a great quarterback, but he is capable, especially of running this offense. The next game, I have a clear lean on this one, but I haven't locked it in. This is a great game because both teams get into the playoffs with the win. The Texans visiting the Colts and both teams would win the division if the Jags somehow lose to the Titans, which I don't think is going to happen unless they play a very badly injured Trevor Lawrence. Again, I think they should stick with Beathard, but we'll get to that game in a minute. Uh, C.J. Stroud comes back. Nico Collins looks great. Will Anderson, though, comes back, doesn't play a full complement of snaps, completely blows up that game with two sacks. He looked great. Uh, To me, it's going to be Texans or nothing in this game. What about you, R.J.? Yeah, we got in on the Texans money line when the Colts were favored yesterday. Um, I just thought the Texans clearly are the better team here. Uh, I think nobody would argue that they're the better offense when you got C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins healthy against this Gardner Minshew led attack. Um, definitely in backing the Texans in that sense. And then you look at their defense. Their defense just shut down Derrick Henry and they allowed 3.5 yards per play, just one for 12 on third downs to Tennessee. And, and this indie defense, not great. You know, they didn't get the cover there again against Vegas last week. A lot of people expected them to cover it 
market was heavy on them. And they just, that was the most points they were been laying all year at three and a half. They hadn't even been three point favorites and uh, they weren't able to cover. And I just don't know that they're that good, as good as their record would indicate. And I'm pretty confident at this point that Houston is a valid nine and seven team. And I'm not sure about that for the Colts. So with Indy being so inconsistent week to week, if they win a game, I mean, they're capable of losing the next one by 20 or 30. They're just so, so tough to predict week in and week out. And I don't have that same concern with Houston. So this is a playoff game for both teams. As we know, they both were relatively similar. And when you look at yards per play differential last week against bad teams at home, but I'm worried about the any defense that a lot of five yards per play against the Vegas offense that hadn't done anything the, the game before. And, and if the Texans defense is playing up to the level they showed last week, they could run away for, with this game. So I agree with the line move of, of it going through the zero and now Houston being favored in most spots. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it a little inflate a little bit more. Don't want to get it too much higher because I think then people will jump on the Colts, especially in teasers to get the Colts up over a touchdown in teasers, um, expecting a close competitive game. But I agree with you that, that if you're going to back this game, on the spread you probably want to be on Houston yeah and as Emery might say who do you trust in terms of the QBs I trust CJ Stroud a lot more than Gardner Minshew which is crazy to say because uh CJ Stroud is a rookie playing on the road here but RJ you got it at even money on the money line at Sportsline a couple days ago but how far would you play this on the Texans well, my my power ratings say say the Texans should be favored by only a half point. So right at one, we're already looking at you know the power ratings would say this is about the time to jump off. Um, I'm just a little bit more confident in Houston in that. I think maybe it gets a one and a half. Um, I'm still okay leaning toward the Texans, and at two, it's probably too much. Gotcha. Well, where are you going to play the Texans if you get the right number? Hopefully, BetMGM. BetMGM has all the action for every sports fan. New BetMGM customers sign up today, get a first bet offer up to $1,500. If your first bet loses, you receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets. Use bonus code EDGE1500. That is EDGE1500. Let's get to a big, big Sunday slate. Looking at a very interesting game with the Falcons and the Saints both still alive for the division if Tampa Bay somehow loses to Carolina. Uh, We see the Saints being three-point favorites here. This was a little bit higher, so we're getting some Falcons money, even though we don't know if it's going to be Taylor Heineke, who has an ankle sprain, or Desmond Ritter. Uh, RJ, what's your take? Do you agree with the move on Atlanta? I really don't. Um, I think that the line should be three. So if you're just playing by power ratings, sure, get the value at, at there and expect a close game. It's going to be decided by a field goal. But but it just seems like the Saints are playing like the better team right now. Atlanta's yo-yoing their quarterbacks up and down the depth chart. Less than 100 net passing yards last week against Chicago without that Tyler Algier 75-yard touchdown. It's not like that was a you know guy beating his 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 uh, man deep. You know, It was just this little dump-off pass with great blocking, and he took it all the way. So you can't, I don't think you really count on that as a an, as an explosive long play in this offense that's repeatable. And without that, they didn't do anything passing the ball. Um, the New Orleans defense, however, just allowed seven yards per play to Tampa. Most of that production came in the second half with New Orleans up big. They also had four takeaways, and we know, especially on the road, Atlanta has a problem giving the ball away. So if that New Orleans defense shows up, I don't think that they allow seven yards per play to this Atlanta outfit, and I think they can get some takeaways and win this game by margin here. In the first meeting between these teams, Atlanta's offense ran for a season-high 228 yards. And so 
that's got to be on New Orleans' mind. You have to have a plan, a better plan in place to stop them uh, running the ball because that's the only way they're going to beat you is, sh- is shoving the ball down your throat, and you have to come in with a better game plan this time. Uh, the New Orleans offense, likely without Kamara, I think that's kind of okay because Derek Carr have had his problems with him this season. Don't think he executes well in the red zone. He's been playing well the last few weeks. He finally looks healthy. He dealt with injuries midseason, and I think the pass offense may be able to carry the team in this matchup. So even though the number felt a little high, and I understand why you want to buy it down. I have no confidence backing Atlanta on the road with their quarterback situation. Now that it's at three, I'm going to consider laying it with the Saints. Um, just want to wait a little bit and see if it looks like it might even tip down to two and a half at some parts. So two and a half, love the Saints. Interesting thing I saw from Clev TA, the analytics guru, talking about Dennis Allen and how good a defensive coach he is when he faces a team for the second time. They have gone under their team total about 80% of the time because he makes the defensive adjustments. And like you talked about, uh, probably are, are not going to run wild uh, the second time around. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you, but I'm staying off this game at the moment. We have a huge slate to get to, but first, Let's hear from one of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Browns visiting the Bengals. Uh, This line totally reflects the fact that the Browns are playing next week in the playoffs. The Browns are locked in. They are going to rest everyone. Uh, The Bengals have looked pretty good. Or let me ask you, RJ, has Jake Browning, has the bloom come off or was he, you know, somewhat decent against the Chiefs? Um, I, I don't know that I call him decent. I think he, the kind of jury's still out on him. He's not as good as the guy that he showed up in that three-week stretch where he was beating teams. And he's probably not as bad as he looked the last couple of weeks. But whether that you even that out and it makes him a starter caliber quarterback, I'm not really sure in this game. Um, I would have put this line at, um, I believe I had it at Cleveland minus two and a half if they were trying, you know, if everybody was going full out. So this is an eight and a half point adjustment for me now that it's, it's ballooned up to six. That feels about right. It's funny. You talk about, you know, Lamar Jackson, probably the MVP at this point. So the downgrade to Tyler Huntley, it's got to be worth more than just about anybody in the league, right? Well, I don't know. You go from Joe Flacco to PJ Walker, who has shown time and again, Again, that you know, probably not an NFL caliber quarterback, and he's going to be the guy taking passes here. I don't even think that that the Cincinnati defense is going to have that much issue, um, you know, limiting him. Even though they were all, they've been awful most of the year. They were awful against Kansas City, even though they largely kept them out of the end zone. It was a bunch of field goals. They gave up seven yards per play to a struggling offense and had blow up games for Pacheco and Rice in that game. Um, so even the, the Cleveland defense can struggle on the road. I mean, they gave up five point three yards per play at home to Trevor Simeon led Jets last week. Um, 
um, it was, you know, an easy win for them there, but them there. So I'm, you know, with them resting people, I'm not confident they're going to completely slow, slow down Browning. I get why this number is the way it is. And, um, and I don't know that Walker's going to score a bunch of points here. So not really something I want to play. I was on the Bengals a little bit when it was a little bit lower number four and a half, I think is where it opened. Now that it's at six, it's probably just going to be a stay away. Yeah, and the Bengals also benefited from Kansas City receivers dropping the ball, which is, you know, what they do every week. But uh, that could have been a lot worse than 25 to 17 with how many times the Chiefs were in the red zone. Let's move to another divisional matchup. And this one I am sweating because I have the Patriots under two and a half division wins. Uh, and, and I think they're going to get me here. I really do. Because, you know, they've played hard. They've played competitive. Bailey Zappi, I, I, he probably should have been pulled after all of those interceptions. But once he settled down, he wasn't that bad. They had a chance to beat the Bills in the fourth quarter. Uh, so to me, this game, especially with Bill Belichick's status kind of hanging over it, uh, to me, it's going to be Patriots or nothing. What about you? Yeah, nothing at stake for either team, so it's hard to know who shows up. New England has looked competitive in recent weeks. Uh, you typically don't have to worry about Bill Belichick teams checking out, um, e- even if you know there's a lost season for them. It was an awful start for their offense after the interceptions uh, eventually got to 5.5 yards for play against a Buffalo defense that's been playing well and getting a little bit more healthy at this point. So a decent spot for for Bailey Zappi again for the, for the last couple of weeks. Even with this Jets defense, which can be elite uh, when they're trying really hard, um, you think he might be able to have some success here um, at home Uh, and this Patriots defense they can shut down the Jets offense if they show up so we'll see if that happens if everybody's focused if if you don't expect Belichick to be distracted about his future he kind of made that clear in in the press this week um, that he's just focused on the game like he always is week in and week out Um, and and if they show up in this game I I agree that New England can win this game here I'm just not willing to really lay the points it was two and a half it's starting to come down to two at some spots Um, so I I don't really my, my issue in such a low scoring game with backing New England here is that I take it just about any kicker over Chad Ryland right now. He is not <laughs> kicking well. He, he seems to miss. I, I believe it's been since week nine since he's had a game where he has has made all his kicks in a game. Um, and I think there might have been one game where he didn't even have any kicks. I think they got shut out uh, in that Chargers game. But he, he's good for a miss every week at this point. And in such a low-scoring, competitive game, tight, you know, um, tight spread, is that going to be what does it? So if you're playing this game, I say maybe throw it in a teaser with the Jets um, while you can still get it up above seven because we know the points are so much more valuable in these low total games and I don't expect either of these teams to go out and win the game by more than a touchdown my problem just in general in teasing this week is the motivation factor you don't know who's going to completely show up this could be a week where these bad teams just get shut down even by other bad teams and they just don't don't play or perform and they score you know anywhere from zero to six points in a game so if I'm playing it's going to be a teaser but I I need to I need to be have faith that the Jets are going to show up in this game Super low total. There is wet weather forecast uh, for the East Coast. So we want to check that as we get closer to kickoff. Again, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon. Zach in the chat asked, what about the Patriots tanking to get a better draft pick? I don't see that happening uh, because players, you know, I think usually are trying their best. And from a management perspective, um, I don't think that's in Bill Belichick's uh, repertoire. What about you, Arthur? 
Yeah, even if we knew he would stay, and there's all this speculation he's going to go. So, what does it help him to tank for the Patriots at this this point? You know, what does he? What does it matter to him? Um, he had his shot with a new quarterback in Mac Jones. He stuck around longer than people might have thought he would stick around after Tom Brady left, and he tried it out with Mac Jones, and it was not successful. And you know, it seems like he's ready for the next stage of his career, whether it's coaching another team uh, as he chases the the wins record, or whether it's going you know into retirement. Um, so I don't I don't know that he's even in the best of times. I don't know that he's really focused on the draft pick at this point of the season and especially not this this year with so much uncertainty ahead of them yeah moving on we have the jaguars looking to clinch the division they got things figured out the defense josh allen was unbelievable in that game against the carolina panthers now they're laying five and a half on the road we don't yet know if it's going to be Trevor Lawrence or C.J. Beathard, but the team played better with Beathard because the mistakes were gone. You know, Trevor Lawrence wasn't fumbling. He wasn't throwing interceptions, and they didn't need to really extend themselves. And this, to me, is the exact same spot. You don't need to extend yourself to to win this game. You just need to run the ball, not turn it over, make a few passes, and you're going to win because the Titans probably will be Tannehill, uh, it looks like. But to me, they look completely out of gas. They had a nice run. They had the great win over Miami. And that was their Super Bowl. And I think right after that, they packed it in and said, you know, that's the best thing that's going to happen to us all season. So to me, it's going to be Jags or pass. What about you, RJ? I think I'm kind of the other way. I mean, when you flip the home field, we're kind of equating the Titans to the Panthers right now. And the Panthers are a complete disaster. We see what their owner's doing in the, in the box, but their offense, <laughs> is just, despite that one game where they flashed something against a, a very bad Packers defense, they just went right back in the tank in this one, could not do anything against what's been a pretty poor Jaguars defense. Um, and so I don't agree that equating the Titans coached by Mike Vrabel um, can do a little bit on offense um, in, in good matchups. I don't agree, agree with equating them with the Panthers in this spot. Um, I don't think the Titans, you you know, tuck their tails in and go home. Not, it's not really in Mike Vrabel's nature. Um, and, and I think they want to avenge the first loss where they lost by 20 in the first meeting. Um, Levis had good stats in that game. They fell behind 27, nothing completely dominated. They need to prove going forward that uh, that they can compete with this team. Um, so I think that they're going to they're gonna show up here. I disagree with it. Inflating, I kind of want Lawrence to be out there because he doesn't look effective when he's not 100%. And I do think he's going to be out there. I mean, he's been a warrior playing through injuries a lot of the time. Saw it earlier in the season. And we expected him to sit um, and he came back from, I believe it was a high ankle sprain, you know, without missing a game. Um, so was not able to do it this time. But with the season on the line, you need a win. You know, you need a win because the uh, the other two teams in your division are playing each other and you're all tied. I think he's going to do what he needs to, to get out there. And I don't think that's beneficial for the team. They're not going to say no. He's the franchise quarterback. So um, I, I hope it gets to six because I want to wait to six and try to back the Titans. But either way, I think I'm going to be on the Titans on the spot and expect it to be another low scoring game. I mean, they did it. They had a close game and they almost won last year in the same spot when they were playing for a playoff spot and they had Josh Dobbs at quarterback against Trevor Lawrence and, and a hot Jaguars team. I don't see why they couldn't make some noise here and keep this one close too. Do you need Will Levis to play the Titans? Uh, because his status is uncertain. Not necessarily. I mean, it's not like the back. They're not going to if if we knew it was going to be Malik Willis, I'd be a little more hesitant. Um, but if Ryan Tannehill is the guy, he wants to go out, prove that he's still a starting quarterback in this league, convince somebody to give him a starting shot next year. So it's not like he's not going to be motivated to come out and play well. He obviously knows the offense. He's been there all season. He's has a lot of playing time under his belt. Um, I think he can lead the charge uh, against the Jaguars team, despite last week, not really impressive on the season. Uh, do worry about those Tennessee tackles. They look awful you know against like you said will anderson earlier and uh we saw what josh allen could do so a little bit worried about that but um i think they can score enough points to make it happen and i think the defense will show up here too 
All right, well, RJ, you've given us one official pick so far on the Ravens, plus three and a half. We're going to get to your second official pick. Now, we each have three official picks for the show. This comes in the Vikings-Lions game. Dan Campbell's going to play his guys, even though they have a very slim shot to get that number two seed. The Vikings, I mean, it is just falling apart. We assume it will be Nick Mullins, but they have not announced it at this point. Lions laying three. RJ, how are you going to attack it? Yeah, what's interesting is that once that that came out, the report came out that it seemed like he was going to play his starters, the market jumped up with the Lions, and they completely backed the Lions. The, the line boosted, I believe, in the five to maybe six range. And all of a sudden on Tuesday now, it's come back down, and we're seeing them at three. So I don't know if the market is not buying into that talk. I don't know if they're, they're maybe thinking that the starters do play but don't play a whole game. And that's kind of where I'm going with my play. My best bet is Detroit minus two and a half on the first half line. Um, so if Detroit is coming out and playing hard, I think that they could evaluate how the situation is in the other games that matter to them at halftime. And if they're going the way that we think they're going to go with the Cowboys' massive favorites against Washington, um, and they're kind of blocked out of that two seed, then they use that opportunity to rest some guys, don't play the full 60 minutes because you got to go out and play next week anyway. So I, I think the first half is the way to attack this game with Detroit um, because I would make them massive favorites against the Vikings. If we knew they were playing hard anyway, I may make them double digit favorites like in that Baltimore game, just because of the mess at, at the Vikings quarterback situation, throwing guys in and out, don't know who's going to play um, o- over and over again. And whoever it is capable of turning the ball over, um, not, not, assured of scoring points, even against a struggling Detroit pass defense, which actually has played a little bit better the last few weeks. Um, So I think the starters play the first half. Um, I love laying them at minus two and a half before the line goes back up and, and that line creeps over three, three and a half. I just think it's a good value to play it at two and a half here. While we're on the topic of the Lions, I know it doesn't have to do with week 18, but maybe it does in a way. Do you agree that once that penalty is called, you have to kick the extra point against Dallas and tie the game? Yeah, I think you're just no, there's, unless you absolutely need the two points, there's no reason to think that you have to go for it from the seven in that situation. So, um, I definitely kick it and go to, go to overtime there. I just think that was his emotions getting the best of him in a play that he knew he explained beforehand. And, um, he was so mad about it. He just, you know, was pig headed about it and went out there and kept on going. Um, if cooler heads would have prevailed, I think he would have kicked it and went to overtime. And look how stubborn the NFL is assigning that same crew, Brad Allen's crew, to Ravens Steelers. People were saying they should, you know, be given time off. They shouldn't ref another game. Well, here they are refing the very first game of the week, and it does have playoff implications. Any comment on that? I'd like to see what your ref article says about the, these officials. I, my comment on that is I think the, the, that's a clear um, play for the Steelers to win the game. I think it would benefit, <laughs> benefit viewership if the Steelers are in the playoffs, frankly. Um, so if they have a shot to, to get there, um, you know, may, I'm not going to accuse anybody of doing anything to justify that. But um, that was the first thing I thought is, oh, well, you know, good job Steelers. If I like the Steelers, which I don't, I'd be more confident in them with this crew playing that game and, uh, you know, being in that game and knowing they're not at the be- they're uh, the top level at the best of times and, and some things can sneak through. So, Yeah, and you know that I think some of the criticism of the officiating this season has been overblown, but that specific crew um, has blown, I believe it's now three end-of-game scenarios. They also had that penalty differential of 10-0 uh, with the Eagles and the Dolphins. Uh, a lot of curious things going on. All right, we got to move on. Bucks at Panthers. The Bucks really played horrible, but it, I think 
it was a lot of the turnovers. And the turnover luck had been going their way. It had been going against the Saints. And then it all flipped in that game. Mayfield had driven them down. They were getting close to making it a competitive game. And then he throws a pretty bad pick. Uh, Now they play the Panthers, who look like a completely dead team, as you mentioned before. Um, To me, again, it's going to probably be bucks or nothing. What about you? Yeah, I think I got to lean to the Bucks here, even though the line might be a little bit inflated for me, um, you know, in terms of my power ratings. Um, actually, you know, I probably make it six. So, so maybe, maybe there's a little bit of value there, but I think you only really play Tampa. Their defense played well against New Orleans, gave up just 4.4 yards per play. But the offense was a no-show for most of the game and turned the ball over. And they, they got back on track a little bit at the end. Um, but I think they'll they'll erase that from their minds, come out, win this game, get to the playoffs here. Carolina's offense went right back in the tank after one good game. I cannot expect them to score much especially when you can't rely on the run in this game against a good rush defense um, because that's really the only way that Carolina has moved the ball consistently aside from that Green Bay game. Um, the defense, I've been impressed by the Carolina defense over the most of the back half of, of the second half of the season, um, and they've fallen off the last two weeks, dealing with a lot of injuries. We'll see how that injury report looks um, because if some of these guys are missing on the back end, guys like J.C. Horn dealing with injury, I mean, this Tampa Bay pass offense can be dangerous, and they can put up a bunch of points in a hurry. So, so at this line here, you know, I'm only really looking to lean at Tampa. Might play it at five or five and a half. Once it gets to six, probably going to back away, even though I feel like it's kind of an easy 20 to 10 win for Tampa. We got a great question from the chat, and we're going to get into that right after we hear from one of our sponsors. The question was about Terry McLaurin needing 54 yards to reach a milestone, a contract incentive. And that comes up in this next game where you have the commanders playing the Cowboys. The Cowboys are 13 point favorites. But before we get into that game, RJ, uh, did you were you aware of what happened on Twitter this week when there was an account that listed all the various incentives to watch? I think it was like 15 or 18. And he was basically telling you these are going to be edges in props, but the props weren't out yet. So there was a big backlash saying, why are you giving that info? Well, I believe the sports books have that info already. So I don't think it was a big deal either way. What's your comment on that being released early? And if coaches, teams are aware of it, are they trying to not pay out these bonuses? I mean, there's just a lot of angles uh, to look at. Obviously, the players want to get it for themselves. The teammates want to get it for them. But the, but the coaches can also and management could reduce snaps if they're aware of it. Yeah, I'm um, not aware of what happened on Twitter. I don't think it matters. I think the books obviously know what happens. They they do their research before they set these lines, so they're going to set the lines uh, with that knowledge anyway. And we've seen it in the past in these these last game of the season things where lines are sometimes a little bit skewed, and you wonder why. And then you go and you check, and you're like, oh, okay, it's an incentive-based kind of play that they're playing on here. Um, in terms of motivation, I do believe it is a major factor for, for players and even for coaches because it's not like the coaches are, pay- are signing the checks. You know, they, they want to get their guy, make their guys happy happy and show that they've got their players backs and they talk about it all season and they try to get on these guys side all season and, and you know, preach family and everything. So if you can get a guy a little bit of a, a bonus, you know, you go out and do it. So we've seen coaches dial up, you know, run after run for guys that need it and dial up a bunch of targets for guys that need it in the game plan that week. And, um, I, you know, that could happen here. I expect Eric Bieniemy would want to get him that because um, it seems like Eric Bieniemy would be that type of coach. Uh, I, I'm unaware of how the rest of the coaching staff is ma- managing this week 
knowing 99% chance this is their last week with the team. So I wonder if guys are updating resumes and, and kind of putting feelers out to see what might be available. Um, but no, I think McLaurin will probably get there um, in this matchup. They're going to be behind a ton. Um, the line is projected at 13 and a half. Now, if, if I knew Brissett was playing and Washington was trying hard and their coaches weren't distracted, I'd probably make it as low as like eight, eight and a half. Um, and at 13, if Brissett is playing, I still kind of want to back Washington, um, but I would need him because I, I'm not really confident in how we're doing it. I think uh, Dallas is going to score a ton of points here. Over 29 and a half team total on Dallas is my best bet in this game. They routed Washington 45 to 10 in the first meeting. Uh, Washington has given up 30 points in more than half of their games this year, nine out of 16. I just don't see why they're going to defense is all of a sudden going to show up and hold Dallas under 30 points. So give me the team total over 29 and a half for my next best bet. I like that play a lot, RJ, and I think I can speak for both of us when we say that that was so deflating when Jacoby Brissett came up with that injury late in the week because we both jumped on the commanders early in that game. Early in the week at 13, 13 and a half, even 14 you could have gotten, and then he gets hurt Thursday. I believe it came out Friday that he was hurt, um, and then, of course, he doesn't suit up. Sam Howell actually kept us in the game with the shot to cover a lot longer than I thought he would against the 49ers. Uh, but yeah, I think the Cowboys put up a ton of points. I don't know if they cover this number, but obviously they win. They get the number two seed and they win the division. Okay. Rams at 49ers. This one is very interesting because the 49ers are locked into the number one seed. Christian McCaffrey will not play. That's already been announced. Uh, but the Rams are locked into a playoff berth, but I think six versus seven means a lot. But some of the speculation is that it doesn't mean so much and that Sean McVay may not be uh, may not be playing everyone because he'd rather be safe in terms of injury. But I think the matchup being the six seed is much better than the seven. Don't you agree? I'm not sure I agree. I think the Lions might be playing better than what we saw from this Cowboys team um, and the Eagles, if the Eagles could get there. But I just um, want to interrupt for a second because the Rams did go to Dallas already and they got absolutely destroyed. Uh, I feel they should believe more in themselves against Detroit. I think they believe they can beat anyone. They're playing a lot better now than they were late, earlier in the season. Um, and, you know, I think that they are going to rest some starters. I don't think there is benefit to them locking it up this line probably tells you that they're not going to rest starters. Although if, if we knew they weren't, I think they would be favored just like Pittsburgh is um, because I think the gap between these two teams is smaller with how well the Rams are playing right now. I'd probably make it, you know, eight and a half, nine, if San Francisco was playing everyone, they're obviously going to rest some people. Again, you can't rest everyone. The, the whole defense isn't going to start. This isn't the preseason where you get 90 guys on your roster. Um, so guys are going to play. Some of the, the starters aren't going to play as much guys that are deemed up like McCaffrey isn't going to play. Trent Williams probably won't play. And that is going to make a difference, but it really just comes down to how much the Rams are going to play their guys. Um, so if you think that they're not going to play them that much, or you get some some word that they're leaning that way, you want to hammer the 49ers because I like their backups more in this game. I think Darnold's capable of running Shanahan's system with solid running backs, um, hand it off, put some put up some points there. Um, and Carson Wentz is the backup on the other side, hadn't been with the team all year, not really confident in his ability to, to do anywhere near what Matthew Stafford's doing. So um, I think that would really benefit San Francisco here. So kind of 
I think three is probably the right spot for it to sit right now without knowing what the Rams will do. But I feel it's in their best interest to rest guys and then just deal with what happens six or seven. Because even if they go out and win this game, I, I think they still might get the seven seed. It really depends on what happens around them um, to, to what happens. Um, or maybe they are locked in the six seed at that point. I don't know. Or they could get the six seed while losing the game. So I think it's really just based on what happens in these other scenarios that it's just too much to wor- worry about and just take the rest and um, and get ready for next week. Well, one team that technically has a lot to play for is the Eagles, but I believe that we're going to see the Eagles resting players against the Giants, maybe not in the first drive, but very soon thereafter, because I think the Cowboys are going to jump on the Commanders. The Eagles are going to know they have no shot uh, to win the NFC East, and I like the Giants. This is my first official play for the show. You know, the Giants are playing good football right now. Tyrod Taylor is attacking deep, which I don't think anyone would have thought but an 80-yard touchdown, a 69-yard touchdown. They had a big breakdown in the New York Post about how his dot has been much deeper than Daniel Jones. So for some reason, it might be that he has better protection. The offensive line is healthier. This team is playing hard down the stretch for Brian Dayball, getting five and a half points at home against an Eagles team that is in real disarray right now. It's not just A.J. Brown who's moping around, but Hassan Reddick is upset. There's some turmoil in that locker room, and I think what they need to do is just rest the guys and get ready for a playoff run because most likely this game is not going to mean anything. And if Nick Sirianni gets somebody hurt, you know, a la Brandon Staley last year when when there was no reason to play anyone. But if he gets somebody hurt and the Cowboys are up 21-0, 28-0, they can't afford to lose anybody on this defense, which is already getting, uh, you know, ripped apart every single week. So I'm on the Giants plus five and a half. RJ, do you agree? I do like the Giants got it first thing Monday um, at six and a half at a, a place put up I, that that number made it seem like the the Eagles are better or at least equal to the Rams because that's what the, the line was last week Rams at Giants when I like the Giants in that spot too and I don't think the Eagles are better than the Rams right now I kind of disagree that they're going to rest starters I don't think they can afford to with how they're playing because they do not look like a playoff team right now and they need to get their act together and they need to get some momentum going into the postseason because if you rest guys now take don't take this game seriously you're going to show up to whoever you're playing you know the tampa bay or whoever it is in that division be favored in that game and lose it by 20 with the way you're playing um so i think they need to put something positive together on both sides of the ball i am shocked at a defense that suddenly has more involvement with matt patricia is not doing well um you know he is he's doing a great job calling plays for a defense that has allowed 30 yards at least on every drive in the last six quarters they played with the exception of Tyrod Taylor's first drive, which started on Philadelphia's 14 and was three plays and a touchdown. So not a successful drive there. And the other exception is 16 seconds left in the first half. The Cardinals got the ball back and obviously did not get 30 yards there. They just kind of ran the clock out there. Um, Other than that, Philly defense has been atrocious. And Taylor is capable of hitting those big plays. I think that fits into what Brian Dayball wants to do. Um, We're talking to Dan Schneier, who's on, on the fantasy team, fantasy editorial team. He just thinks he's a good fit for what Brian Dayball wants to do offensively better than what Daniel Jones has been and not capable of making some of those throws there or doing the processing that's needed while Tyrod Taylor is capable of doing that. So I like this offense better with Taylor at quarterback. Um, even though they did struggle to move the ball consistently last week, I don't think they're going to have that that issue against this defense. Um, I don't know how low it has to be for me not to not like the Giants, but five and a half sure isn't it. So I would still play the Giants at five and a half if you didn't get it on Monday. I've moved the, the rating way down on Philly, and I think the line it still should be minus five, which tells me I probably haven't moved it down low enough because that defense needs to show up here in this game and show that they're capable of making a run in the playoffs. 
Yeah, and a lot of books have already moved to five. And kudos for you for getting six and a half because six is a key number. And uh, let's hope it doesn't end on six uh, for my sake. And then another official play for me in this next game, another divisional rivalry, the Bears at Green Bay. Green Bay needs to win to get in. Uh, all the pressure is on Green Bay. I love this spot for the Bears. They never win in Lambeau. This, they're going to put everything into this game to ruin the Packers season. I think we remember what happened last year with the Lions doing it to the Packers. I think the same exact thing could happen here. Look at the Bears, 6-1-1 one, and one over their last eight against the spread, and the only loss was they were getting two and a half and lost by three in one of those games. The defense has been outstanding. Justin Fields played a tremendous game, both running and passing. Um, I just think everything is pointing up. I see no reason to jump off the Bears bandwagon. The only thing I'm worried about is if Jalen Johnson can't go. That does hurt a little bit, but will Jaden Reed play? Uh, and he was the key guy for the Packers, so I'm all over the Bears. I would love to get three and a half. There are a few three and a halves out there, uh, but for the books that we had on Sportsline available, I posted plus three. RJ, what do you think? And I've been holding out for three and a half, hoping we get it. I don't know that it's going to come off three the other direction, so I, I'm kind of patiently waiting, um, but we'll see how the injury report looks. If it starts to look really bad for the Packers, maybe it does come off because they're, they're just walking wounded on the offensive side um, with Jaden Reed now hurt and the Chicago defense playing very well. I think they're playing like a top, you know, what, five or eight defense over the, the second half of the season once they got Montez Sweat and they got healthy on the back end. And I think they're able to limit this this um, Packers offense who Jordan Love has played really well. I think that they have a franchise quarterback in place with him and he's put, faced some adversity with all these injuries um, going on around him. And I think people are surprised that they're making a playoff run here and have a chance to make the playoffs um, with him. So I think they're good to go with Jordan Love. I just don't know that this is a great spot for him against a motivated Chicago team wants to come out, ruin the Packers season here. Then um, a long time punching bag for them and go into the, the off season um, off a very positive note in the second half here. Um, and their defense did struggle a bit against Atlanta, but they gave up four yards per play aside from that long Algier screen touchdown we talked about. Um, so I think the defense will step up here for Chicago. The Packers are capable of just, you know, completely throwing up a, a goose egg on defense. We saw it against Carolina. Um, so if, if, if that Chicago offense shows up here and scores 20, I think they can win this game. I think they're the better team right now. So if I can get three and a half, I'm going to play it. I probably will still play it at three. I'm a little wary about Green Bay's home field advantage, one of the best in the league, especially late in the season. So um, that would give me a little bit of pause, but probably going to be on Chicago either way. I just want that hook. Over the last six games, the Bears given up 15 points per game. This defense has been incredible since Montez Sweat came back or got traded to them and since they started getting healthy. Another game with a field goal spread, the Seahawks laying a field goal at Arizona. Um, I mean, one team couldn't have looked better offensively in the Cardinals, and one team couldn't have looked worse defensively in the Seahawks, when you give up 30 uh, to Pittsburgh, uh, you've hit an all-time low defensively. RJ, to me, I, I would say Cardinals are pass. When they gave up 202 rushing yards to Pittsburgh, and Atlanta had, or Arizona had 221 rush yards against Philly. So you'd figure that matchup benefits Arizona, and they can have success here. The question is, do they get up for this game? They, they put together a massive upset for a game that, that they were massive underdogs, double-digit underdogs um, at, you know, at home in that game. They won it. Um, a little bit of positivity going into the offseason. Um, I don't know that they get up for this game in the same in this in the same way. Um, and a lot of these teams that are, that are, seem to be checked out, it seems like 
like people are, are betting against them and these lines are inflating, but not with the Cardinals, just based on what they saw last week. But that was against a very flawed Philly team that we just talked about. Um, I think Seattle is the better team here. I think three is the right number. I see a two and a half on the board, though, and I kind of want to play the Seahawks at two and a half. Their offense was great against Pittsburgh, 7.5 yards per play. But that was a mix of being awesome with five scoring drives and awful with three punts and one quick fumble here. I think they'll do better against this Cardinals team that that isn't going to get up for this game uh, with Jonathan Gann, like, as it were last week, with Jonathan Gann in that revenge spot against Philly. So I'm, I'm going to fade Arizona coming off a win. Probably want to get that two and a half to do it. And um, probably once we get off of this podcast, I'm going to go put that in on Sportsline because I do see it available at one book right now. Antonio Pierce is four and four as the interim coach of the Raiders. Got a fraudulent cover against the Colts. Probably didn't deserve that cover there. Uh, but, you know, he's done a good job. But the, the feeling is, is that he may not have done enough. So I think you're going to get a huge motivational spot for the Raiders at home trying to get their guy the full-time job. And they need to get this win to kind of prove it. Uh, to Mark Davis. So to me, I'm going to be looking only at the Raiders when I break down this game in more detail. I don't want to be on the Broncos here. I'm not saying I'm already playing the Raiders, but to me, that's the only way I could look. RJ, what about you? Well, it's kind of a proven spot for both teams. You mentioned the Antonio Pierce stuff and the players, especially on defense, maybe rallying around him. The offense played well two of the last three games, so maybe they're coming around a little bit. Aiden O'Connell doesn't look like the complete zero. He's looked like in a lot of games, um, so maybe that there is something there. But I think on the Denver side, there's still some proof of concept that, that Sean Payton wants to exhibit and saying, I don't need Russell Wilson. I don't need the high-priced quarterback. You, you give me a guy that I want, I can go out and execute. So if he can come out with Jared Stidham and put together a great game here, um, I think it really breeds confidence in moving forward without Russell Wilson. Um, so I think he want, he's going to try hard. It's, it's not a, a situation where they're going to kind of give up on the season because I think there's still something that Payton needs to prove, um, and he's under pressure to prove it after all this drama with Russell Wilson. Um, and so we'll see. Vegas, we know the beginning of this beginning of the season, a lot of uh, optimism for Denver um, and Sean, with Sean Payton. And Vegas went in there and upset them uh, to start the Denver underperformance narrative. I can see another slow, close, low-scoring game here. Don't know who's going to win. Kind of want to play the under at, at 38, expecting a better defensive game on both sides than offensive game. So if I'm going to play it, it's probably going to be the under. Um, but kind of want to look how the injury reports look for both teams at this time of year. Before we get into the two final games of the Week 18 slate, I want to shout out John in the chat. He has made it to Week 18 in the DK Survivor. He is in wow. line for a big, big payout. John, if you could type in what are the choices that you have for Week 18. And again, I'm super jealous because RJ and I were in one for $1.3 million and we went out on the Steelers losing at home to Arizona. I'm not bitter about losing the quarterback, about losing the linebacker in that game and, and, and messing up fourth and goal from the one. I'm not bitter about that at all. Uh, so, uh, John, let's, let's at least live vicariously through you and take down this DraftKings uh, survivor pool. Who do you have left? And as we get on to that, we want to look at the Chiefs and the Chargers. There's no mystery here. The Chiefs are sitting everyone, uh, and the Chargers are laying two. Easton Stick is laying two points in a football game, RJ. Yeah, just for John, I think a lot of people are going to be on Cincy with the expect expectation that Cleveland is going to bench everybody. A lot of people are going to have Cincy left. So I think if you want to go for the higher prize, um, I would avoid Cincy and play one of these other options. Um, you know, we talked about Chicago. 
um, as a pretty solid option there. That might be the one I go with. Um, Jacksonville will be tempting, but I, as I said, I'm worried about the Titans. But um, I'm probably going with Chicago in that spot, just with how they're playing, and expect them to come out and get the upset there at Green Bay and hope that I get so much. I know it's going to be scary. You don't want to take an underdog there. But um, imagine the equity that 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 happens with a bunch of people get knocked out with that Cincy game. So um, if you if you don't want to go with that uh, that much um, you know risk there, maybe take one of these other smaller favorites here, like the Saints, rather than going with the team that everybody's going to take in Cincy. So that's my thought on the survivors. Uh, Chiefs and Chargers, I think it's interesting. We know the Chiefs are going to rest their starters. It's got this game up to three but with the Chiefs resting their starters don't they look like the Chargers I mean it's Easton Stick versus Blaine Gabbert you know Gabbert might be the better quarterback there it's uh whoever the Chargers Alec Alex Erickson Erickson I think it was at receiver I'm doing all the work there for them if Josh Palmer doesn't play um is that really any worse than what Kansas City is going to be throwing out there um so I don't know I think Chiefs are the better team with the better coaching staff obviously Chargers ready to get out of this of a lost season with a coach got fired um I I don't think that they're going to hold Gabbert to 10 points or so. I think the run, the game, the running game can work. I think the Chiefs defense has enough depth and has enough people that are going to have to play in this game that they're going to limit the Chargers scoring. We see a very low total here. Now that it's at three, love taking the three with the Chiefs because I don't expect them to get blown out. You know, and John also has the Saints that are appealing. He has a lot of appealing options for Week 18. It's kind of like the board reopens up for you in Week 18 because you have several teams uh, that aren't going to be playing their starters. But um, Bengals is very attractive. Uh, The Saints is attractive to me. And even the Patriots, I mean, uh, against those pathetic Jets at home and possibly Bill Belichick's final game. So, uh A lot of great options. John, make sure to keep us posted because I want to be pulling for your pick on Sunday. Sunday Night Football, uh, we are going to get to right now. And this is one, this is my third official play. And I am sure RJ is going to be hopping on board with me because I'm backing his Buffalo Bills uh, to get it done, lay the field goal. Kind of a surprising line when you look at the line just on the fact that they have the same uh, basic record and you're in Miami and you're laying three, that tells you how bad the Dolphins injury situation is without Chubb, without, um, you know, Jalen Waddle, without Xavier Howard now, not expected to play. And the guys that were opposite Jalen Ramsey, uh, including Eli Apple, got absolutely torched last week. I think the Bills can clean it up. They didn't look good on New England. I think that's helping us with this line. If they had blown out New England, you know, 41-10, which they probably should have with all the turnovers they got, I think we'd be laying over a field goal here. So, RJ, I am all in on the Bills this week because they've won four straight. They had a lot of bad luck earlier in the season with injuries, but now Rasul Douglas has helped that defense. They can get a pass rush. You know, both quarterbacks a little bit dinged up and both coaches saying nothing to worry about here. But I think there's more worry about Tua than Josh Allen. If you think I'm going to back this play of Bills minus three, you do not know me at all as an eternal <laughs> Buffalo pessimist here. I just cannot get behind this line being three with a Dolphins team that, um, you know, ha- has a better record than them, plays well at home typically, um, and needs this for the number two seed. They're still a good team. I know they're dealing with injuries, and that's why the line is the way it is. It's the only way to justify the line because I think these teams are close in power ratings. And and, um, and with the home field advantage, I think Miami should be laying two and a half, three points if, if we weren't worried about the injury. So the question is the total sum of the injuries, is it worth five and a half, six points? 
Probably not for me. This is still a really good coaching staff. I think a much better coaching staff than what's in Buffalo. I mean, you think back to last year and that Skylar Thompson wildcard game, they almost pulled out the win. There it was a very close game, three points at the end. And um, they can make it work with what they need, need to happen, Go, knowing who's going to be available for this game going in. You talk about the in, the cornerbacks getting roasted for them outside of um, Jalen Ramsey. Well, Buffalo's receivers aren't aren't known for their consistency outside of Stephon Diggs, who I know kind of wants to, to be a bigger focus of this offense anyway so Ramsey's kind of largely taking him out um, it might have to do more with the run the two run games taking over here and we'll see what happens there Miami's in this very weird spot where they're at home they have they're the leading team right now and they get to play the nobody believes in us card because they're catching three points at home against the Bills as home dogs so I just could not lay three with Buffalo here if I played it's going to be the Dolphins if it uh, if it gets to three and a half I'll have to think about it Otherwise, it's probably going to be a stay away. And if you want to take some piece of this game, um, I wouldn't take the spread. I would take if you think Buffalo is going to dominate with these injuries on the defensive side. Maybe you just take their team total over. But I think um, Mike McDaniel might have something cooked up his sleeve here. And I'm not willing to trust the Bills laying three points in Miami right now. Well, you make a good case. It was 48 to 20 in the first meeting. I'm going to read you a set of numbers and ask if you know what these numbers are, RJ. 4-4-2-2-2, 3-4-3, 2-3-2. Any idea what those are relating to this rivalry? Um, those sound like they could be like, I don't know, takeaways, turnover type of things. Um, other than that, I don't know. Maybe the Josh Allen, Josh Allen touchdown passes versus the Dolphins in his career. 31 touchdowns against five interceptions. He's never had a game where he hasn't thrown for thrown for multiple touchdowns against the Dolphins. So uh, even though that Dolphins defense has gotten a lot better, with Vic Fangio, but with the injuries, I think Josh Allen is going to dice it up. Well, it doesn't matter who's out there on the field for Miami if Josh Allen is throwing some of these throws that he's he's thrown in some of these games. I mean, anybody could have intercepted some of those passes against New England, I think. Um, it's just he's capable of these dumb interceptions at times and, and these giveaways that you just wouldn't expect from a guy of his caliber. He's He is definitely an MVP caliber type of talent week in and week out, and gee, these mistakes just ruin them. So if you're buying Buffalo at the top of the market, I just worry about that critical interception that, that Josh Allen, you know he's dying to throw it. He, every single game, you can just picture those passes that he throws, and you're like, what are you doing, man? You should be blowing out this team. And all of a sudden, you're only beating the, the Patriots by six, and they have a chance to to win the game, even though Bailey Zappi completely you know, threw up all over himself for, for a quarter of that game, and, and Buffalo somehow still could not blow, blow them out. So I don't know. It's just I don't have that much faith in Josh Allen to just go out, execute, put up all the touchdown numbers you're talking about without putting the ball at risk, even against questionable talent on the back end. I think that this coaching staff and his ability to make mistakes will make this game a little bit closer than people expect. Final question, because there has been some talk about, you know, the bills could miss the playoffs if they lose this game. Um, and uh, a couple other things happen. Uh, there was a question in the chat about whether that might be in the Ravens interest uh, because Buffalo looks like the most dangerous team in the AFC besides Baltimore. In fact, the Bills are the third favorite right now, 8-1, to one, to win the Super Bowl. Your comments or, or thoughts on that scenario? 
Yeah, I think it's tough to to try to play that game with the Ravens. Um, you know, I think you just got to have confidence with how you're playing. You're going to beat anyone right now. Um, and so if it's Buffalo, you know, you're going to play them at home. Um, so I don't think they're too worried about trying to lose Buffalo's way out of the playoffs, um, <laughs> if, if that's the case. Um, because Buffalo could just go out and, and win the game anyway. So, and they're favored to win the game. So what does it matter if you're the, you're the, uh, the Ravens at that point? They're the two seed anyway. All right. Well, let's get to a recap of our best bets. RJ had three. I had three. RJ, take it away. I like the Ravens plus three and a half. That line has swung way too much for me, especially with the depth on this Ravens defense. I think it'll be a close, low-scoring game. They show, they blew out the, uh, the the Steelers in a similar situation a few years back as the number one seed resting players. They could win this game easily again. I have the Lions first half minus two and a half. I believe Dan Campbell when he says he's going to play starters. I do think he can evaluate what's going on in other games at halftime and then maybe rest some guys, which is why the line is only three. But in the first half, he's going to go go hard. And that Lions team is so much better than the Vikings that I think they'll cover the two and a half first half line. I have the Cowboys team total over 29 and a half. Don't see how the commanders hold them under 30, which they have only done to seven of 16 opponents this year. Uh, Cowboys scored 45 in that first meeting could be a similar total here for a team that needs to win to get the number two seed. And I'm on the Bears like I am every week. 6-1-1 one, one against the number in the last eight. The only one they didn't, that they had an ATS loss, was by a half a point. And I think they want to spoil the Packers season. The Bills, we talked about it. They're trending in the right direction. The Dolphins are just so banged up. And Josh Allen always seems to shred the Dolphins' defense. Like we talked about, 31 touchdowns and five picks against Miami in his career. And then the Giants, plus five and a half against a dysfunctional Eagles team that's kind of quarreling with itself, bickering with itself. And once they see the scoreboard and it's 21 nothing Cowboys, the Eagles might pull their starters. I think the Giants could come through the back door with Tyrod Taylor. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for NFL Week 18. We will be back at the same time next week looking at those six playoff games. But tomorrow we'll be back at 10 a.m. Eastern with the Early Edge. RJ, thanks so much. We'll see you soon.